Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Hi, talkers. It is Monday. We're hanging out with the whole crew. Lori and Julia are back from vacation hanging out with us. We've got Sex Monday coming up, a little dirt alert with some Britney news we got to talk about, and some Hollywood news as well. Yes, we must talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So. You were at a plane, and I just had gotten home like two-thirds of the way through um, the Tonys last night. But I was way on Hawaii time, so I was able oh, to... Oh, you watched it in Hawaii? Well, I didn't get to watch it, but I got to see all the people who were pissed at CBS because CBS did a... They didn't just broadcast it live across each time zone. They delayed it for the West Coast. And then they had it on the streaming, and that was all fakakta. It made it very difficult to watch. And it's like in the time of Twitter and Insta and everything where we have it instantaneously, why wouldn't you just broadcast it live right. across all time zones? Because it really... Well, they got 2.6 million viewers, the all-time low. Yeah. And I, I guess the show was really great, but like people were just like, the hell with this. This is a pain in the butt, and Paramount... Uh, plus the streaming, they had all kinds of issues and it wasn't streaming. Uh, and it's like, why wouldn't Sue okay. us? Why wouldn't you just have it air in the time? You know what I mean? Just air it live. I don't know. It's a weird programming uh, decision. Mm. And then I guess nobody watched that Global Citizens uh, no. live. We did. Post I don't even some... know what chat. I, who's going to watch a concert on a Saturday night, first of all? Exactly. No one. I don't know why they do these things. Well, it was to raise money, but do it on a Monday night or Tuesday. Again, Roger Friedman would like everyone to know that Global Citizen. They do amazing things. No. Oh, they don't? No, that they pay pay all their money to get rock stars and musicians to seem like they're doing amazing things. But the majority of their money is spent on staging events. Oh, so this doesn't have anything with the kitchen guy. That makes all the meals. Yeah. Okay, I was wrong. They're trying to make it look like musicians and rock stars are activists and they get attention for their music. And then the global citizen execs use the rock stars for getting big salaries and hobnobbing. All right. He just thinks it's just whole ridiculous that they're really not doing anything. Because when you look at the numbers at their charity, that all 80% of their money goes to salaries and events. Oh, jeez. Okay. It's like, or it's whatever off. the number yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. So, no one watched that either, so it wouldn't really matter. I just think maybe people were watching it, like, on Twitter. I mean, people went crazy because I was at the airport, and I was like, okay, I'm going to dive back in the world of gossip. I guess Jennifer stole the show at the governor's ball, stole Jennifer the show. Hudson. Jo- Jennifer Lopez. Oh, Lopez. At she what at, at oh. the governor's ball, which was going on in New York on Friday, Saturday. 
And I think Friday and Saturday night, Billie Eilish played. This is the one they were giving. They were getting teens vaccinated, giving tickets. Lizzo played. It's on that Governor's Island. She told the crowd she had love on the brain. The pictures of her and Ben making out all over New York were amazing. Uh, Amazing. And uh, so it's a good thing, uh, you know... um, I mean, I know Harry and Meghan, I saw all the little stories about them. I just was just like, why is she wearing that terrible white dress? She had bad outfits on the whole time. She did? They were, I didn't like any of them. All right. Well, just she and I, Harry looked like they were happy, but I did see a photo of her where she seemed very bundled up for a sunny day in September in New York, which I know can be hot. Well, I felt like... She was like just up like she'd gotten the memo of that cool we're going to day. the winter. Right. Yeah. And she couldn't take off the jacket. Yeah, I don't know. But they were just there for a whirlwind three days, and I did notice the Daily Mail was exploding with rage at how dare they, and they were calling the Global Citizen and Harry and Meghan's trip woke stock because they went to the U.N. Assembly to talk about vaccine equality. I know. So that was just absolutely, you know. Okay. They foam at the mouth over these two. Here's the latest. Grimes and Elon Musk are, this is their report, were semi-separated. Okay. So she moved out and has taken the baby with him. Yeah, Baby X. Baby X. Mm -hmm. And um, his work keeps him with SpaceX and Tesla. And he lives in Austin and she lives in L.A. Yep. This is no surprise. Mm -hmm. Plus, he, he also has six children with his first wife. I know. And I don't know where they live. They're he semi- seems like he would be an exhausting man the way Kanye West would be an exhausting oh, yeah. person to be in a relationship with. Oh, I would agree. Now, here's someone that you thought went to space all those years ago on the Starship Enterprise. William Shatner is going up in Jeff Bezos' <laughs> oh, machine. Good Lord. The penis. At 90 years of age, he's going to be the oldest person ever to go to space. Oh. I, I just know. don't even know what to say. I hate these space stories. I hate I all that. What a waste of money. I just don't know why they yeah. are doing stuff for down here. Yeah, same. Same. I, I, okay, I, I have to just, this is right. a notable obituary. Okay. Bobby Zaram, he's passed away at the age of 84. He, repre- like Kirk and Michael Douglas, Jack Nicholson, Diana so Ross. an agent. Michael Caine, Al Pacino, Mick Jagger. No, he's a publicist. Oh, publicist. Okay. He's a publisher. Um, and he was influential in getting like Saturday Night Fever made, Scarface, Rambo, Dances with Wolves into huge hits. He was such a PR guru, but he also is the guy who came up with the I Heart New York campaign. Love New York. Uh-huh. I love New How York. How old was he? He was 84. He was a regular uh, table hopper at Elaine's, oh. and he famously introduced Mia Farrow to Woody Allen at mm-hmm. Elaine's. Okay. That's how those two met. He also um, threw one of the most unique parties in New York City history, a black tie event in the 57th Street subway to celebrate the release of the film version of The Who's Tommy. Oh, and in 1978, Donald Trump said Zaram was responsible for every cent he'd ever made after Manhattan property values tripled in the six months after the launch of the I Love New York campaign. He also worked with other political people like the Clintons and Jimmy Carter. He developed the Savannah World uh, Film Festival into a world-class event. And he um, also helped launch the book, 
that was everywhere called Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Oh, remember that? Remember that book? And the guy was in it. That has was horrible. The guy yeah. from the Netflix that played the president. Come on, Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey. Yeah. Oh, that that book I know. Yeah, was something, but something. that movie. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. horrible. I hated Kevin Spacey's accent in that. Oh. Yeah, and he was the real life inspiration for the press agent played by Al Pacino in the movie People I Know. And Hal Erickson wrote in his 2017 book that. Um, Zaram never worried about getting into heaven as long as he could get his people into print. I like that. So he was like, just, he was like really, uh, uh, he's the a New player. York Times, a super flack. Right. If you watch that yep. show, Flack, exactly. he's the ultimate super flack PR person. And he just was something else. So, and I was so sad. I know I, you always only really text me anything on vacation if somebody's significant passes oh. away. And when you, Sent me the thing about Willie Garson. I was just like, what? "Oh, that was a bummer, huh?" I oh, Stanley Blatch, and he was. I loved him as Mozzie, the con man on White Collar. He was so he was good on White Collar in that show. I felt so just That'd be devastated. A good show for people to go back and watch. If you never watched White, White Collar, Collar, that was great. Excellent show. That was great. That was did a- you ever watch that, Grant? No, I did not watch that. That's another good show. It kind of it was just really a good show, and he was delicious. He as was Mozzie. He was great. the con man thief who could come up with anything. Nice. He was great. Okay, he was, so he was he was very versatile. Oh very, yeah, I and wonder then how they're going to film if they finished all of his scenes. And, I don't know. Um, he died of pancreatic cancer. Oh, that just oh, and then I read Sarah Jessica Parker's. Oh, Instagram she's going to be post. devastated. It was so sad. They were set up on a date. That's how they first met. That's so And they've been friends since forever. Yeah. Yeah, I found out that I had no idea because I was watching some of his clips from Sex in the City. I had no idea that he wasn't gay. Well, that's what Lori just said to me. I didn't either. I don't think many of us did. And he really didn't want the bat, you know, people to feel offended that he played a gay man on Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was pretty good. He was a good actor. Very, very, very good, good. And speaking of actors, George Clooney and Brad Pitt have signed on, and they're doing a movie together. What is it? I hope mm. it's something good. Okay, it's doesn't have a title. They're producing and starring in a movie where they are two fixers who each are assigned the same high-stakes job. Oh, I like that. That's the premise, and the guy that's writing it is Spider-Man Homecoming director John Watts. Yep. He's doing it, and um, they're each looking at $20 million to star in this. Well, that's a good paycheck. <laughs> Isn't it? That's a good screen mm-hmm. to look at, too. Yeah, so Clooney, both of them, Brad Pitt right. being fixers, and we love Ray Donovan. That's another great show to, yes. if you've never watched, um, that show is about a Hollywood fixer, Ray Donovan. That's just an epic show. Wow. If you need to right. add something so these to guys list. have done five films together. Right, Ocean's right. Eleven came out in 2001. Mm-hmm. Great movie. Mm-hmm. 2002, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind was directed by Clooney. That's 2004, right. Ocean's 12. 2007, Ocean's 13. And in 2008, Burn After Reading. Mm-hmm. That was a Coen brother, wasn't it? Yes, I think so. Movie. Um, and then Clooney and Julia Roberts are going to be are starting filming in a movie together. Yes, Ooh, that'll be a it. fun combo. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, what's her name? The girl from Booksmart plays their daughter. Beanie Feldman? No, the other girl. Oh, she was so cute. The other uh, girl that was in Booksmart. She that plays you- their daughter, and I think they're filming it in Australia, and they play her parents or something. Caitlin Denver. She played Caitlin Amy. Deaver. Deaver. Mm-hmm. That was a good block. Yeah, and, she, good, and she was also in that show about, you know, the with the two, Tony Collette and yeah. um, Jackie Weaver. Uh, it was called Unbelievable. Yep. I oh, think yeah. It was called. Mm-hmm. About the Denver case. Yeah, mm-hmm. and she was terrific in that show. She so. really was. All right, anyway, well, there you go. When we, we come back, we, when we come back, we've got the Dirt Alert. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. All right, Grant, you're bringing us the dirt. Yeah, and boy, do we have some dirt with Britney Spears, you guys. This is intense. Yeah, Britney Spears' attorney told a Los Angeles Superior Court on Monday that Jamie Spears allegedly hired security secretly to record his pop star daughter without her permission. Specifically, the Times reported that others ran an intensive surveillance apparatus that monitored communications, also evidently captured attorney-client communications with her prior lawyer, which are obviously, you know... Is this what came out in the new um, series about Britney Spears? The new documentary that they're doing. Okay, so the the lawyer didn't know about this until he watched it. Yes, no, they didn't know about it until afterwards. Now, even more shocking, you guys, allegedly, security captured audio recordings from Britney's bedroom and including private conversations with her children. Now, this is the big part here, too. O-M-G. Right, this is the big part. So now in California, where Brittany lives, the the jurisdiction under which she has her conservatorship, it's a two-party consent state, meaning both the party who is recording and the one being recorded need to be provided authorization, according to law, and they were not providing that authorization. Can you imagine how he was using that information? No, to I, make I'm her so crazy. Grossed. I'm so grossed out by this. Isn't it's that just awful? Keeps getting worse. Let's let's hear what uh, is. It, I don't know if this is a legal expert for Gmail. This was my one story. I couldn't stop reading about right. last night because this aired whenever, maybe on Friday night or Saturday night. I know I DVR'd it because um, it's the New York Times again, and they're going deeper into yes that framing Britney Spears than what we watched last winter. So here we go. It is loading. My apologies. All right, that's all right. <laughs> Give me one. I'm going to refresh this page here. Messages. So, so yeah. was the New York Times did a thing, and then there's also another thing that ran. Right. As, okay, got it. All right, here we go. And Samantha Stark here at the uh, desk with us, director and co-creator of Controlling Britney Spears and the ABC News Chief Legal Analyst Dan Abrams. We, we were sitting here just listening to that, all of our jaws kind of uh, on the floor here. Wow, what's the reaction uh, that you're getting so far uh, about those details, the text message mirroring, having her bedroom surveilled? Yes, you know, I think... All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAP Podcast. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. 
pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. I think uh, for so long there was this idea that Britney wanted to be in this conservatorship. It's considered voluntary by the court, which is unclear what that means. Um, and I think... You know, a lot of people were like, well, if she doesn't want to be in it, why doesn't she just say something? Why doesn't she go on her Instagram? Um, why doesn't she refuse to work? And I think we saw this very intense surveillance apparatus and also this, um, you know, the emotional side of what that did that I, I think you, the public is starting to understand more how this could have been going on for so long. What was the most surprising thing in working on this documentary that you found? Yeah, I mean, you know, we'd been kind of hovering around this story for so long, and when Alex uh, Vlasov, the a person who did IT uh, for security came forward. He, you know, had all this evidence to show us of how intense the surveillance was. And I think putting that audio recorder in her bedroom was the most shocking um, wow. thing to me. Yeah. And, and Sam, one of the things alleged in this uh, documentary is that Britney actually wanted the conservatorship to end for a long time. What is the significance of that? Yeah, I mean, so we obtained confidential court records. Uh, we uh, got some from 2014, 2016, 2019, and now 2021. Uh, and we saw that Brittany had been communicating all this time to the judge, like trying to communicate to the court that I don't want to be in this. What do I have to do to get out of this? I don't want my father in charge. I think my father's drinking. I don't want him in charge. And it, uh, you know, it, she's still in the same situation. So it's uh, really different from the what everyone thought it was, I think. Oh. That just and this is on Hulu, you guys. It's not a Netflix, so it's it's called yeah. Controlling Britney Spears. No, here's the thing. Remember when she when we finally get to hear her when she addressed the court and she said, "I am traumatized." Yes, and that when she found out probably that her dad was taping her in every room in her house, including her bedroom and her bathroom, oh. having private conversations. That would be. Traumatizing because he and also taping her when she talked to her lawyers. Right. So then he could get his lawyer. He is going to invoke the Fifth Amendment, you guys, when he goes to do his deposition. I have no doubt about it. That's what she's saying. Her law in this article that I was reading here, there's definitely a positive in belief that he's going to try to put in the Fifth Amendment. Well, he, I mean, he has every right to plead the Fifth, but he will violate, he will, yeah, yeah, he's going to have to do that. And, I mean, Kevin Federline probably is wondering, is this why Jamie fought me about my sons? What was he hearing? You know, he's like, think about how evil that is to be spied on all the time. Right. And that you could use that information, knowledge against against somebody to make them think they're crazy, to gaslight them, Mm -hmm. to gaslight them and to think, you know, I mean, I... When, when I am traumatized and my whole family should be in jail. Well, she said that. Yeah. Yes, she did. She did. And doesn't she have a court date this week? She does, yes. And she also, her lawyer did say that even if he does take the Fifth Amendment, there are questions he still would be required to answer, which would inform the court's decision on these accounts. Mm-hmm. You know, So basically, he's still going to have to, he can invoke it, but he's still so, going to have to answer some questions. So this guy who worked for Black Box right, Security, right, right. He, he said a couple of things were so... Like, he's like, I'm not destroying these. Right. Right. And he kept them. And he was like, there's something very, very wrong here. I mean, that is a completely, 
I mean, not only was he depriving of her civil liberties and rights, but it was illegal. And then the fact that that he was gaslighting her and using it to maybe make her think she was crazy. Oh, there you go. Okay, because think about that. If you're surveilling somebody, you can... And she doesn't know she's being... So then he's going to say these things and then like... How do you know? Right. And you can use it against you. Oh, my God. Good call. Brittany, Brittany, Brittany. And I'm telling you, and Kevin Federline... Um, you know, and of course, I, I feel like he, I don't know. I know he's never spoken out about Britney or said anything bad or anything. I wonder if he could do anything. I, I just no, don't know. You don't yeah. have any, you yeah. don't have any say. She's not your wife. And yeah. he's, she was solely under the conservatorship of her dad. So yeah, I mean, if her own family let her go when they all knew what Jamie was like, I mean, her mom divorced him for crying out loud. Because he he's he's a drinking guy who thinks he's smarter than he is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you were telling yeah, yeah. And not not yeah. not not that well educated. It seems in either the actual world of academia or in street smarts. He's just like one of those guys, mm-hmm. you know. And oh my god, well he seems very mani- obviously manipulative. Manipulative, and with the, what he was doing, he clearly is hundred mm. percent. So wow. And there, some more Britney Spears news here. Now she is considering, now this is just a rumor out there, a source close to her is saying that she's considering an Oprah interview, mm-hmm. which oh, we could learn yes. a lot about this. She said that after she watched the Prince Harry and Meghan Markle interview, that she was very touched about hearing all of their experiences and thought, hey, this might be a good place for me to share my story. There's nowhere else that Britney should go. Absolutely. It's no Oprah's one interview. Her. No one will understand, understand the way hold Oprah. Their hand. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a... Yeah. Hell of a catch right there. Uh, well, yeah. And she's not going to talk to any like ABC, CBS, or NBC because if she watched her own framing Britney Spears, she saw how horrible Diane Sawyer was to her, how horrible mm-hmm. Matt Lauer. You got to go to Oprah. Got to go to Oprah. Got to go to Oprah. Well, The View now, you guys, moving on, is apologizing for some false positive COVID tests. You guys heard about this situation, it was right? weird. Unfortunately, I did get sucked down the rabbit hole of reading this whole story about everything that happened last Friday. Yeah, everybody did. I mean, it was chaos there for a minute. Right before they went to commercial break, they told two hosts to leave because... They didn't know why, really. They come back, and then all of a sudden, it's a separate interview in two separate rooms, and they said that they had tested positive for COVID. Well, it comes comes out now that it was a false positive, so... That's good to know that it wasn't really putting the vice but president. But it's weird in that they have all these these COVID um, things in place and they don't find out before they go on the air if it's positive or negative. Yeah, I mean, exactly. To drag seems, them off. The, it seems dramatic. Yeah, it seems but, like a plot in the morning show. Yeah, that they wouldn't have it done. You know, right, right. Before the show. Anyway, thanks, Grant. Yeah, no problem, guys. Well, one more thing here. Okay. We got a little bit of time here. Two SNL stars will not be returning. Lauren Halt and Beck Bennett, who portrayed the VP Mike Pence. Remember Mike Pence? Oh, yeah. Fight, yep. And he was also Russian President Vladimir Putin. Oh, he, I like that guy. Yeah, he won't be returning to SNL this next season. But we're still going to get all the originals that we currently have. Keenan Thompson, Pete Davidson, uh, A.D. Bryant, all kinds of Kate the... Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate McKinnon, exactly. So the only one that for sure is leaving is... Beck Bennett and potentially Lauren Holt right now. So. Yeah, I, I can't even place her. I think she's only been on a year, but I yeah. like yeah. that Beck Bennett. I, I love too. his Vladimir Putin. That, that is, is funny. Absolutely funny. Maybe they don't have any plans for Vlad.
in wow. this uh, upcoming season of SNL. Yes. He hasn't been in the narrative much lately. Really. Right. So. <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. Well, let's take a look at your My Talk traffic right now. Just a few accidents out there to report. We're st- it's amazing. Well, no one had any sex when you were gone, Lori. Oh, I don't believe <laughs> that. <laughs> you were talking about it. I don't believe that. Well, you know, one of the things that... Um, that we enjoyed about watching that show, Masters of Sex, which yes. is about William Masters and Virginia Johnson, was, you know, we'd never really thought about the fact that they directly observed hundreds of men and women masturbating and having sex in their laboratory while documenting, you know, orgasms, orgasms and, like the rub. and everything that was going <laughs> like on the and that they basically, that sexual response... Is excitement, a plateau, an orgasm, and then, you know, what they call resolution, but most people call falling asleep. <laughs> With a little bit of guilt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> we were just like, that was a great series and kind of interesting good. to think about. Well, we still are researching. Modern sex science still does happen, Julia. All right, where and is it happening? in case people want to participate in human sexuality. I mean, I wouldn't be at all surprised if if the University of Minnesota is doing study, but here's how you can, uh, to be in a sex study, if you're willing to be a participant in a sex study. Are they going on right now in COVID? uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Now there's, you can do surveys. You know, that's one thing. You can have sex with your partner in a lab. You can watch pornography while instruments measure your physical arousal. I'll get back to that in a second. Please do. And you can test if a drug helps with your sexual problem. And you also, they also have people masturbate in MRI machines. Oh, dear. Okay. Claustrophobic. While it's running, like. Yeah, basically. I don't know if I could concentrate with that kind of noise going on. A lot of bizarre tools, you guys, that help them measure physical arousal. And they'd use this in response to masturbation or erotic imagery. Because researchers want to have that because what people say they find arousing, um, what actually arouses them is very different. People will lie. Yeah. Oh, all right. All the time, yeah. Okay, and so there's a um, something called the vaginal photoplasmograph. Yeah, which (laughs) measures the blood volume and pulse of the vagina. And also there's a thermometer for the labia, which is quite helpful. (laughs) And then there's a penile strain gauge that continuously measures the, the circumference of the penis as you're seeing different images. And one big benefit is because um, no researcher has to really be involved with that. People can do this, you know, it helps them get a broader test range of subjects and gets people comfortable with a lot of different things because you don't necessarily have to be do that. And and uh, Eric uh, Jansen, who's a re- sex researcher at the Kinsey Institute, said you'd be surprised how many people from all different backgrounds are willing to participate in this. And <laughs> and one thing that sex researchers have discovered using these tools is that what women say makes them arouse often differs from what their vaginas say. Oh, oh interesting. whereas men's reporting matches up better. For example, heterosexual women have shown equal 
physical arousal from watching videos of women with other women or men just being with men watching that and heterosexual men will respond definitely higher to females on screen than they will if they're watching guys on screen. Okay. And it's, it, it really goes to support that women's sexuality is more fluid than men, at least in the heterosexual sense, because a heterosexual woman will show over and over again that the turn ons for her can come from anywhere. No bad pun intended or good pun intended. And um, and people do lots of sex research still the old fashioned way, Julia, the good old interviews and surveys and they try and do that to get like sex trends across the broad population all right for instance um the 2010 national survey of sexual health and behavior sur- uh, surveyed um 6, adolescents and adults and it found that single teens were the most likely to use condoms than single adults wow that they were better wow. at it that that they, they thought wow. they were going to get a different answer. Right. And that adults using condoms were like as likely to rate their sexual experiences pleasurable as those not using them. They also found in that survey a fake orgasm gap where men would say 85% of the time that their partner uh, that they had sex with definitely had the big one. <laughs> and then only 64% of women agreed. I was going to say, that's the most delusional thought process yeah, for a but man. Yeah, they, they, they identified it as the orgasm gap. This was just in doing interviews of uh, so they could get a broad r- age range of people. Sure. So they liked that, and... And, you know, of course, um, they also do the brain scans during um, sex. So brain image imaging is one of the newer ways that sex science research happens. So it's MRIs. And are we still talking about this? Yes. You're lying in the machine while (laughs) thinking about something or looking at something. And this brain scan, those sometimes lead to overblown claims by researchers or media to try and get, you know, something really exciting for Where is this happening? Oh, it happens all over the place. Rutgers University, Kinsey, probably right here at the University of Minnesota. Um, And uh, you can also measure, people can be hooked up their skin. They can get things from just your fingertips by looking at I like how you can get your oxygen levels and things like that. It's called skin conductance. So if you would like to be a study, so it's just, it's, you know, uh, I want to encourage people, if you have the opportunity to be part of sex research, that, uh, you know, it, it could be a real interesting, uh, long... Venture. L- not, but not a long-term <laughs> commitment. It could be kind of fun, you know, for you. <laughs> you learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. You learn a lot. Yeah. You're helping science. You're helping people, right. you know... Fantastic. With, with, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, Julia, I mean, we talk, I talk, I read these journals, I, I read know. these things about sex. This one you read well. Uh, this one I wanted, I was really curious, and because we loved watching Masters we did. We did. of Sex, and that was like, I mean, you know, they only had a few couples who, I mean, that would be the hardest, maybe unless someone really got had a turn off about being l- watched. That right. I think might be the hardest one to talk your partner into. Mm-hmm. Let's have sex for research. Science. You get paid. You get paid. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. You know, but uh, I think that could be a real hard sell unless you're both, you know, into... You I know, think it would be a real hard sell. I can't even sell. have my dogs in the room, let alone a researcher or not. <laughs> Looking through the two-way glass like you do at a, at a you know, research group or whatever, and you're watching. Remember, we've done those? Oh, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyway, but maybe good for the voyeurs amongst us and the exhibitionists. There you go. All right, so we've got a little clinical today, but I just wanted to, you know... Say hooray for modern sex science research. <laughs> Gosh, you're a goof. Goodbye. Okay, so Nicholas Sparks was on, I think he was on with GMA this morning. Okay. And he, to the happiness and chagrin, depending on who you are, if you're a fan of Nicholas Sparks books, but he feels he's got enough left to write another 25 books. Wow. wow. So, you know, he's, uh, don't worry if you're a Nicholas Sparks fan, he's got lots more ideas. But he did have this to say, and I just thought we would listen to it because the Tonys were last night. Yes. We've got all the Tony red carpet, you know, and I'm still thinking it was a weird Tonys because there weren't that many shows that played for more than three months. Well, it was like an Academy Award show from there. Yeah, it was three months. Yeah. Yeah, or whatever it It was. was But anyway, so here he's got a little news about the notebook. Talking about now the notebook. Yeah, going to Broadway. Yeah, where this is the plan, right? Another COVID situation, but right now it, the plans are tentatively. It'll open first in Chicago uh, in a few months, maybe February. I think casting is going to be coming up soon and see how it goes there. And then, of course, we move to the big stage oh. here on Broadway. That's kind of exciting. I can't wait to see that, that story with music. I can't wait to see that either. It should be good, right? It's going to be great. Uh, it's always good to have you here. I guess we'll see you next year for the next book since right? you're doing one a year. Oh, and it's a right. good one. I'm already working You on. already got it? Yeah, I'm about 70% done. Oh. Does it have a title? Can't tell you. Ah, there it is. All right. <laughs> that is always good to have so you here with us. The wish okay, folks. Okay, so that's going to be on Broadway. And the only reason that I bring it up is because last week, I will confess, I had to be keeping my eye on Twitter because Harry Styles with the, is that the Excel. And oh, I just I know. felt a pang of not being there. Did oh. you get to go? No. Oh, damn no. it. No. And that, that, that when... He, Everyone who went said it was amazing. amazing. And yeah. the fact when the fan that said, uh, should I text him that he referenced the notebook while giving the fan dating advice? Trash, trash, trash. Mm-hmm. And that story went everywhere about like people caught that. It was a viral moment. A few places reported that it was at a, a concert in Canada, but it was at the St. Paul right. at the Excel. And people were just loving it because he stopped in the middle of the show to he's trash 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 which Funny. of course is exactly what is said you know to Rachel McAdams in the notebook by her mom and um yeah he's i just that's accurate dating show my personal opinion is that if there's any sort of games trash 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 not for you is exactly what he said so i don't know if broadway if the notebook is going to fit uh, on broadway but i, I don't suppose either. if they do it right anything is possible you i know, mean this on the other side, you know, Dear Evan Hansen, which was such a hit as a Broadway play, is just getting, wow, some of the worst reviews. Maybe really? since Cats. Oh, it's the most, it's been called the most horrific movie of the well, year. It, no one went to it. Well, no one went to it, and the critics don't like it. Like 33% on Rotten well, Tomatoes. They just said it is so bad. It's the opposite of the play. The play was wonderful. And and the movie, mm-hmm. it like really is uh, 
Anyway. Okay, so I just want to, so you were talking about, you know, sexual research and all that kind of stuff. And so Amy Schumer has been very open about wanting to get pregnant again and have another child, but she struggled with endometriosis forever. Mm -hmm. And so did Lena Dunham. Okay. Oh, yeah. So she had a hysterectomy? She had, yeah, hysterectomy and she had cysts in both. um, She had a tumor in her appendix, chocolate cysts in her both ovaries, endo in the uterus, something all over, lifelong plane. She she had it all moved out of her body, okay? Yeah. She's a changed person and I'm bursting with new energy that I have to be with my son. But she said this I can't answer medically why this happens. To women, there is no time to study this because all the resources are funneled into penises. Yep. Mm-hmm. She added, there is barely any research on endometriosis, which over 10% of women have. Mm-hmm. I can name oh, yeah. 10 yeah. of my friends who've had yeah. this. All fu- funding seems to go to the penis. And so she um, concluded her caption by asking Melinda Gates. How about we help with this? Yeah. So I th- I thought it was kind of well it 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 is it is true. I mean uh, we're coming this... on the 60th anniversary of the birth control pill, and birth control pills. I mean that's as life changing as you know when they came up with the polio vaccine right. or measles or smallpox and what that did as far as liberate women to enjoy their own sexual freedom and agency. You didn't have to worry right. about getting pregnant. What a relief. Yeah. I mean, I what can't a imagine. relief. Yep. Yeah. Right. And it's hard to imagine if you've grown up, you know, which, you know, we have where the pill came out in 61, I guess. Yeah. And um, it just was a life changer mm-hmm. for everybody. And so, yeah, they just don't, they don't study enough of the female stuff, hormone or anything. No, I know. I just thought, oh my gosh. And if you um, want to remember to tune in tomorrow at 6 a.m. Oh, yeah. The to this second clue for Project mm-hmm. Done and Dirty, what we got from it mm-hmm. is it's outdoors. <laughs> Lori and I are going to hate it the most, mm-hmm. which means it has to do with talent, mm-hmm. singing, which we don't have. dancing, mm-hmm. acting, none of which we have. Mm-hmm. We were not theater kids, and nor did we, although we. Neither was I. I was, but in the chorus, in the background. Sure, no, of I wasn't at all. Just so because it be was fun. an all play. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. you know, right. and so, every core, every choir teacher I've ever performed under tells you to go and not sing so loud. Yeah. Just don't open your mouth. Don't open your mouth. The watermelon, uh, watermelon pineapple. Right. <laughs> That's what you mouth to look like you're singing pineapple watermelon. Right. Just that we learned that in <laughs> right. Project Down and Dirty, the musical. I think Michael Patrick Farrell told us that. I think he did. Oh, watermelon. You don't have to do, you can just look like papaya, papaya, papaya. Look like you're doing something, <laughs> but you're not doing yeah. something. Yeah. Act like you've been there before. That's kind of the oh, whole thing in life, but it's right? It's so hard to do when it's the thing you possess the least of. You know? I, that was funny. When you were talking to Amy earlier and you said, Well, so basically something that we have no talent for. Right. And that's right. Yeah, epic comment. So no, it'll mm-hmm. be it'll be I sent that to Rocco for a bit. It'll be horrible. <laughs> Oh my gosh! Oh. It'll be horrible. I really wish I knew what the choice one and two were, but I don't. Why think does it tell matter us. anymore? Yeah. Well, because it went from being an indoor thing to an outdoor thing, so it changed the third idea down the list. Yeah. Right. Well, how great was the first idea, and Fantastic. will it be something they they're going to try and hold for next year if I they don't, don't tell us? 
we'll have our answer, but still no answer. Yeah, I don't want to know because I don't want to be comparing while I'm sitting in the cold figuring out what we're doing, you know? Yeah, well, I we're really going to, you know, see if you're good, if you're any good at raising money. That's one of our things that Wait, we Grant, do. Wait, Grant, do you think that you're going to be good at that? Oh, good yeah. For asking I, for money? Oh, I... Because oh, you yeah. can't sing. I can't sing for anything, but Neither I can go can up we. and talk to anybody, and I'm all about... Yeah, well, I... you have to do it on the air. Yeah, you yeah. got to do, do it on this radio program. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I can raise some money. It's time to bring all your rich friends in. <laughs> It's mm-hmm. true. I could call Use a few people. Call some people. But mm-hmm. yeah, like the people that were at the AMAMPP or whatever that museum in uh, Hollywood is called. That it's just gala. called Academy Museum. Which is That's awesome. the name of it. No, it's called the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures. Oh, oh, all right, fine. Lovely, though. But isn't that, I mean. It's open 365 days a week, seven days. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the hugest yeah, people are going to go to this. We had talked about. I wonder if Same. Tanya Hart was at this. Well, at this red carpet last night. I don't know. You should text her. Yeah, I really should. I mean, Lady Gaga looked like she was. Uh, um, she, she looked like a million bucks. But I mean, that wig that she has on kind of makes her look like um, like Ava Gardner with she blonde hair or yeah. something because it's that tight of a chignon. Updo. She looks so pretty. So pretty and. And I think uh, I think uh, Nicole Kidman, you know, with her curly hair, mm-hmm. uh, Masha, that, uh, Masha, that was a weevlet, wiglet. Oh, you think so? Oh, there was extensions added into her hair. Yeah. Wow. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, welcome home, hon. Oh, All right. Well, everyone have a great <laughs> night. Dancing with the Stars is on. Oh, are we watching? Monday that night is annoying. Probably. The dances were so, so good. good last week, though. It was really fun. All right, we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks, Greg. Job done. Off you go.